0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Knowledge with Homage. I am your host, David Castle, a.k.a. Homage, the Lion Killer. Today is the 6th of January, 2021. We are in a new year, folks. Let's hope it's a good one. I hope you're all doing well out there. Stay insane through these incredibly insane, insane, insane times that we are experiencing, where the Stockholm Syndrome is beginning to set in in full effect and many of the people around me. Maybe you guys have noticed this, but it seems like more and more people are, people who maybe once questioned the lockdowns and, and questioned the necessity of them, are now flipping sides and starting to demonize the people who might be a little hesitant to to just follow all the bullshit rules and, and the new normals that they're trying to impose on us. Uh, with pretty much little to no resistance from the masses, at least no outright resistance. Uh people just fucking go along with it, man, and it's it's kind of crazy. But what can you do except try to stand on the sidelines and analyze it for what it is. And that's what I attempt to do with these little talks that I give, uh sometimes I'll, I'll read articles and play little clips uh to to see what's going on and and try to help give people maybe a alternative viewpoint from what they might normally here, and just to be that guy in your ear talking about shit that other people don't talk about normally. So this is what we're going to do today. I have a lot of fun stuff lined up, and let's get right to it. So obviously, one of the big stories in the news is the the big Trump rally in Washington, D.C. Uh, for For weeks and weeks, he has been calling for everybody to assemble in Washington, D.C. on the 6th of January in order to... Uh, fuck show support for Donald Trump that he that he won the elections cuz there's a lot of people who feel like they've been disenfranchised by the democratic system rightfully so I don't think voting ever ever was legit but it's been a lot of people think it's just been especially fucked up this year they claim that Donald Trump rightfully won and that Joe Biden is a cheater I don't know uh, I, I found it strange that they gave it to Joe Biden, but then again, not really. I think Joe Biden is the guy they want in there. Donald Trump was doing things they don't like, fucking up the New World Order type plans. Although I, he didn't do much. He didn't do what he said. He didn't expose 9/11. He didn't. He didn't change anything, in my opinion. Nothing crazy. Uh, but he did have a lot of followers and and a huge, huge, massive gatherings for all of his rallies. So just the, the support that he had was was pretty astonishing. And the fact that Joe Biden won instead and like n- n- people really weren't all about this guy like they w- are about Trump. So, I mean, and then you got the lost ballots and fucking all kinds of shit. They they fuck with the election. People are pissed. I don't know what will happen because of it. But uh, crazy times to be alive, to be an American. I'm not very excited for Joe Biden's America. I don't know why anybody would. Uh, he, his main things are just new world ordery, one world government, communist, socialist bullshit that kind of fucking sucks. But don't get me confused with a Trump supporter because I'm not that either. So we'll just have to wait and see what happens. And, uh, you know, be ready for anything because the possibility of a civil war, something crazy, shit hitting the fan, I don't think it's off the table. Anything could happen, really. Uh so just be prepared, hopefully you got some guns. And uh we'll leave it at that. And we'll we'll uh follow it as it develops, but the mainstream media is obviously going to miss mislead people about what's really happening there. They're all, they're going to lie about how many people were really there. Uh they're going to they they've been saying that allegations of election tampering are are completely without evidence and without base they're baseless claims which is bullshit i mean i know people personally who who weren't able to vote because they were told that they already voted when they hadn't vote voted yet and it's a little shit like that i mean that's a big deal to some people so uh we'll just have to wait and see what happens i don't really give a fuck with the left wing right wing dichotomy and the the political traps that they that they encapsulate us in i think it's a part of the mind control system the left left wing and right wing are both part of the same bird uh so i don't know i don't know i know there's i often think about the extremists on both sides and you got like the super far right maga people and the and the really far left like Joe Biden, almost you know communist socialist type of people who who believe the government should control more stuff and be giving out more money, which sounds good in theory, it just never works in reality. communism is an oppressive system and it's it's worse than capitalism in my opinion, historically so, there's a lot of evidences of that as well, but I don't think they realize how they're they're almost like the same person. They, they really are like these radicalized people, whether it's radicalized on the left or radicalized on the right. They're basically like the same people. They, they exemplify the same qualities, the same state of mind. They're just following a different guy. It, they're both like extremists and, and radicalized. I don't, it's just a weird thing to me. I, I think they uh, don't really recognize their similarities. It's like uh, the similarities between the Bloods and the Crips. You know, one, one of them wears blue, one of them wears red. You're still, you're both gangbangers probably doing the same shit every day, just with different people, with a different group of people. I don't know, maybe the differences are deeper than that. Ideological. But to me, the the uh, the radicalized follower of any organization or ideology are incredibly similar. And there's a guy who wrote a book about that which I have right here next to me. Let me grab it. It is called The True Believer, and it was written by a guy named Eric Hoffer, and it the the premise of it is thoughts on the nature of mass movements, and it's it's a pretty astonishing book. He goes into the psychology of people who um join these big big movements, and he wrote this book a long time ago. In fact, you know, why don't I read you the preface here? And uh, you can get a little fucking, a little idea of what I'm talking about and how how these guys are basically the same thing. Whether it's left, right, up, down, black, white, whatever, it's kind of the same thing. So uh, here's the preface from The True Believer. I didn't plan on doing this, but it seems fitting. It says, this book deals with some peculiarities common to all mass movements be they religious movements social revolutions or nationalist movements it does not maintain that all movements are identical but that they share certain essential characteristics which give them a family likeness all mass movements generate in their adherents a readiness to die and a proclivity for united action All of them, irrespective of the doctrine they preach and the program they project, breed fanaticism, enthusiasm, fervent hope, hatred, and intolerance. All of them are capable of releasing a powerful flow of activity in certain departments of life. All of them demand blind faith and single-hearted allegiance. All movements, however different in doctrine and aspiration, draw their early adherence from the same types of humanity. They all appeal to the same types of mind. Though there are obvious differences between the fanatical Christian, the fanatical Mohammedan, the fanatical nationalist, the fanatical communist, and the fanatical Nazi, it is true that the fanaticism which animates them may be viewed and treated as one. The same is true of the force which drives them on to expansion and world dominion. There is a certain uniformity in all types of dedication, of faith, of pursuit, of power, of unity, and of self-sacrifice— there are vast differences in the contents of holy causes and doctrines, but a certain uniformity in the factors which make them effective. He who, like Pascal, finds precise reasons for the effectiveness of Christian doctrine has also found the reasons for the effectiveness of communist, Nazi, and nationalist doctrine. However, different the holy causes people die for, they perhaps die basically for the same things. Uh, and it goes on to... Talk about certain things, certain qualities of people who adhere to mass movements. It says, starting out from the fact, oh, fuck it. This book concerns itself chiefly with the active revivalist phase of mass movements. This phase is dominated by the true believer, the man of fanatical faith who is ready to sacrifice his life for a holy cause and an attempt to is made to trace his genesis and outline his nature. As an aid in this effort, use is made of a working hypothesis, starting out from the fact that the frustrated predominant among the early adherents of all mass movements and that they usually join of their own accord, it is assumed, number one, that frustration of itself without any proselytizing prompting from the outside can generate most of the peculiar characteristics of the true believers. So basically saying that, The reason somebody joins these types of movements is actually because of a frustration within themselves. They're mad at themselves for some reason. They have some psychological uh, disconnection with something in themselves. Something's fucked up in themselves and they think that they can find validation in this group and, and a solution to the problems they have within themselves. And that's what makes a movement like that appealing. Uh, and number two, that an, an effective technique of conversion consists basically in the inculcation and fixation of proclivities and responses indigenous to that frustrated mind. So this this movement that people are drawn to, be it communism, uh, you know, a re- religious ideology, even even groups like Black Lives Matter or the MAGA groups, the, these are all mass movements where people who are frustrated actually with themselves, but they project their insecurities outwards and they they have external things that they blame for their frustrations. Uh, They're mad about some shit inside themselves, so they think if they join this movement and if this movement becomes successful and they're a part of it, that they're going to win and somehow these things within themselves that they're unhappy with and frustrated with will will somehow get fixed magically uh, because they participated in this mass movement. And that's the characteristics of the true believer. So if these types of things interest you, you can read this book, The True Believer by Eric Hoffer. Very interesting book. And uh, really opened my eyes to a lot of the things that are going on right now. So, you know, just kind of a, a, a stepping backwards from these big movements and and trying to understand the underlying, like, psychological and societal issues that, that contribute to them. So... You know, we'll see. We'll see who becomes president. Who gives a fuck, really? We're fucked. Nah, just kidding. We'll be okay. We'll be okay. But traveling is going to be a lot more difficult. Uh, What was once a conspiracy six months ago is now mainstream media news and just facts uh, that health passports uh, for your vaccinations are going to be required to do certain things. They're saying that like, you can't go to Disneyland without a... Vaccination passport, which is fine with me. I don't want to go to Disneyland. Although I did watch a video of the new Star Wars ride they got at Disneyland, which looks pretty sick. Not going to lie. Not the hugest Star Wars fan, but I could see how that would be appealing to a lot of people. People get pretty crazy about Star Wars. Uh, So yeah, you know, in order to travel places, they're going to do that. This is the way they make the vaccines mandatory. Uh, It's not going to be an actual law from the government saying that you have to get it or they're going to throw you in jail. It's just going to be, you can't go to the grocery store. You can't travel anywhere. You can't go out of the country. You can't do this. You can't do that. can't go to school. Um, any number of things, they're just going to make it so you can't do that shit without having the vaccination. <clears throat> so, uh, you know, what can you do? What the fuck can you do? What is in these vaccines that they want us to have? so badly what what do they need to put in us and and what what development in technology has recently occurred that has allowed us to create this coronavirus vaccine so rapidly when why is why wasn't it here before because coronavirus has existed forever And uh, people have been working on a vaccine for it forever. So why are they only able to do it now in in less than a year when a normal vaccine takes seven to ten years to see if it's safe and effective, as they're claiming this one is, with with no proof of that, no evidence. In fact, a lot of evidence to the contrary. But they all want to put whatever they made into us for whatever reason, and they're going to make a lot of money because of it, the big pharmaceutical uh, companies. And people like Tony Fauci are just all about it. And if you question the the safety of any of these things, you're just a lunatic and a bad person. And they're going to lock you up and throw away the key. That is the ultimate plan. Uh, but what can you do? I don't know. I don't know. What we can do, though, is listen to Carrie Mullis, the inventor of the PCR test. The PCR test stands for poly chain reaction polymer chain reaction something like that and this has been the main method of diagnosing people with COVID-19 and many people have come out talking about how this test just gives out false positives it shouldn't be used to diagnose people with with any disease Uh, let alone COVID-19. But the more people who get tested, the more cases go up and the more they can justify the lockdowns and justify the vaccine passports, giving everyone the vaccines and go along with their great reset plan because this is a lot bigger than just some virus or just trying to get Donald Trump out of office. This is a, a global restructuring of our political system and moving into this one world government technocracy, bullshit, tyrannical authoritarian fucked up system. So this is just the catalyst for that. And the PCR test has been very important in making all of this happen. And so have people like uh, Tony Fauci have been very uh, instrumental in making these things happen. Now, Kerry Mullis was vocal about how his test was being, or his process, it, calling it a test is, is, a misrepresentation. It's it's not a test. It shouldn't be used to diagnose things. It's more of an amplification process. It takes something which already exists in someone, because you have like trillions of viruses in you to begin with, and then it it does something to amplify that little piece of something and make it so it's actually something that's quantifiable and and something you can look at and examine and, and study a little bit. So it could take something that you have a minuscule amount of that isn't affecting you at all which is why somebody who is not sick can come up positive for COVID-19 because uh, they have a little bit of that virus inside of them, a little bit of some coronavirus. So it's completely fraudulent and a bunch of false positives are coming about it. And this is why we're in the bullshit place that we are. But you're not allowed to talk about this about this stuff. So uh, don't take my word for it. Let's listen to Carrie Mullis' talk about it himself, on why the PCR test shouldn't be used to diagnose illnesses. Uh, Unfortunately, Kerry Mullis died in August of 2019, and that fucking sucks for us because he would be out there on the front lines, you know, talking about how Tony Fauci doesn't know shit and how they're fucking up his PCR test. So it's very convenient for the powers that be that this dude died. And uh, you know, so here he is talking about this shit years ago on why PCR shouldn't be used to diagnose people because what was happening was they were using the PCR test to diagnose people with HIV, particularly homosexual people. And it, HIV burst on the scenes in like the early '80s, and people were told that gay people were getting HIV and transferring around to other people. And then they would go to the doctor, they would get tested for HIV, come out positive for it, and even though they weren't sick or anything, they were told they have HIV, very similar to what's happening with uh, the, the coronavirus and COVID-19. So you have these people who are told that they have this this virus, which will cause AIDS, this disease, and they needed to be treated for it or else they're going to die. Even though they weren't sick right now, they needed to take these drugs and be treated for this virus or else they're going to develop AIDS and die this horrible death. Now the drug that they gave people was called AZT and what AZT was and is is a um basically a chemotherapy drug. And chemotherapy is is a radiation treatment that is meant to like inhibit the growth of these viruses. It's an incredibly powerful fucking thing that just kills shit. It just like zaps viruses in in it poisons your body to, to get rid of the, the bad stuff. That's why they use it for cancer. So it's um, a powerful inhibitor, I guess, of the growth of these things. And they were given this to to all these people, and people were dying because of the drugs that they were given, not because of the virus that they were told they have. Now, just like COVID-19, HIV is one of those things that hasn't really even been proved to exist. And it's amazing because so many billions of dollars have been put into researching AIDS and researching HIV and um, trying to cure it and treat people with it. And there was this supposed epidemic of it. But in reality, it was the cure was worse than the disease. And the, the PCR test was one of those instruments that was used in order to make this shit happen. A lot of people got rich off the, the AZT drug. And uh, there was a little bit of a eugenics aspect to it. Seemed to get rid of gay people and black people because that's primarily who was targeted with this. So, like I said, it, that, a little background on that just to see w- what Kerry Mullis is talking about here, because what he is talking about has to do with AIDS and HIV. And uh, check it out. Here is Kerry Mollis mm-hmm. talking about PCR.
1: Misuse PCR to estimate. Uh, all these so, supposed free viral RNAs that may or may not be
2: there. Uh, if it's, um, I think misused PCR is not quite I don't think you can misuse PCR, you know, the results, the interpretation of it. See, if you, if you, if you can say if, if, if they wanted if, if they could find this virus in you at all, and with PCR, if you do it well, you can find almost anything in anybody, it starts making you believe in the sort of Buddhist notion that everything is contained in everything else, right? I mean, because if you can mo- amplify one single molecule up to a, to something that you can really measure, which PCR can do, then there's just very few molecules that you don't have at least one single one of them in your body, okay? So that could be thought of as a misuse of it, just to, to claim that it's meaningful. And it, is. it is. Now, there's, that, there's very little of what they call HIV and what's been brought out here by... Philpott and he Isai already, the measurement for it is not, is not exact at all. It's not, it's not as good as our measurement for things like apples. An apple is an apple. You know, you can get something that's kind of like, if you got enough things that look kind of like an apple and you stick them all together, you might think it's an apple. But an HIV is like that. Those tests are all based on things that are invisible and they are the results are inferred in a sense. PCR is separate from that. It's just a process that's used to make a whole lot of something out of something. That's what also, it is. Um, it is the, but it's not, it doesn't tell you that you're sick and it doesn't tell you that the thing you ended up with really was going to hurt you or anything like that.
0: So yeah, it's, it's pretty obvious why they needed to get rid of this guy. He died in August of 2019 and a uh, very smart person. He won the Nobel prize for chemistry for his invention of PCR. I think that was what it was for. And he was he was outspoken about how it was being misused and taken advantage of. So I want you to hear as well about um, his opinion on Dr. Fauci, because Dr. Fauci isn't a new character. He's been on the scene for a long time, and he was one of the main driving forces behind all of these people dying from AZT. The The decisions that he made um, he's always been high up on the, the NIH C D C fucking thing. And uh you know F- carry Mullis was vocal on how he didn't like Fauci and how Fauci was a fucking idiot who but I I think Fauci knows what he's doing, but um you know he's just like evil or something. He he has wrong intentions. So here he is talking about Fauci. Carrie Mullis. What is it what what
2: is it about humanity? That, that, that it wants to go to all the details and stuff and listen, you know, these guys like Fauci get up there and start talking. You know, he doesn't know anything really about anything. And I'd say that to his face. Nothing. To his face. A man thinks he can take a blood sample and stick it in an electron microscope. And if it's got a virus in there, you'll know it. He doesn't understand electron microscopy. And he doesn't understand medicine. He, does, he should not be in a position like he's in. Most of those guys up there on the top are just total administrative People and they don't know anything about what's going on at the bottom. You know, those guys have got an agenda, which is not what we would like them to have, being that we pay for them to take care of our health in some way. They've got a personal kind of agenda, they make up their own rules as they go, they change them when they want to, and they smugly, like Tony Fauci, does not mind going on television in front of the people that pay his salary and lie directly into the camera. You can't expect the sheep really respect the best and the brightest. They don't know the difference really. I mean I, I like humans, don't don't get me wrong, but basically there is a there is a there's a vast the vast majority of them do not possess the the ability to judge who is and who isn't a really good scientist. I mean that's a problem, that's a main problem actually with science, I'd say, in this century, because science is being judged by people funding is being done by people who don't understand it okay who do we trust Fauci Fauci doesn't know enough to, you know if Fauci wants to get on television with somebody who knows a little bit about this stuff and debate him he could easily do it because he's been asked I mean I've had a lot of people president of the University of South Carolina asked Fauci if he'd come down there and debate me on the stage in front of the student body because I wanted somebody who was from the other side to come down there and balance my because I felt like, well, these guys can listen to me, but I need to have somebody else down here that's going to tell me the other side. But Fauci about- didn't want
0: to do it. So Fauci didn't want to do it. And Kerry uh, Mullis did not like Fauci because Fauci was working on behalf of the pharmaceutical companies and, and whoever else. Really, this guy has some, some uh, questionable connections. He's a Jesuit, went to Jesuit school. Jesuit, one of those kind of secret society, Illuminati-type motherfuckers. Uh, uh, Just not trustworthy type of thing. One of those brotherhoods that makes you uh, question what their real intentions are. So, you know, Fauci is the head of the COVID-19 pandemic response, and he's the reason for a lot of this bullshit. And it sucks because it doesn't matter how many thousands of Doctors, reputable, real people who know what's up come out and speak out against the stuff that Fauci is doing. Uh, for some reason, the opinions of thousands and thousands of people are outweighed by that of Tony Fauci. He's just the God doctor who knows everything and everybody else is an idiot. And this is how we're trained to to believe in stuff, I guess. it's It's so stupid. I mean... Uh, it doesn't take much research to be able to discredit this guy and realize that he he doesn't have your best interests in mind. This is from the same documentary as those other clips, and what this doc I'll I'll post a link to it too, so you can watch it if you're interested. And it goes into it's it's about HIV and AIDS and how we've been lied to about it and how it's something totally different uh, than than what we're told. And you know there there's a a lot of stories surrounding HIV and AIDS, how maybe it was something created by the government intentionally released to, to target certain types of people. You know, they say it came from a monkey, just like they're saying with COVID-19. It came from someone eating a bat. It's complete bullshit. And who knows where it really came from? Some government lab? For for what purpose? I don't know. But here's another guy talking about what, what's really going on with the CDC and the NIH, and these are the institutions which are telling us what we have to do, uh, advising our government, and and basically drawing up the rules for us. Where The social distancing, CDC guidelines say wear a mask, stand six feet apart from each other, completely based on bullshit. The, the social distancing thing was created by a, a 15-year-old girl for a science project that she only got third in, and uh, that's what we base social distancing on. And that's a fact, and you can look that up. It's completely arbitrary and not based on much science at all. But this is what we're told to do. It's more—it's all psychological and, and just to fuck with us and, and get us going along with it. But people will unquestionably go along with it. So it <laughs> fucking sucks. But this guy's talking about how the CDC and the NIH are actually military institutions, and they are arranged in a hierarchical fashion where uh, the guy at the top is calling the shots and it doesn't matter what's true or what isn't, they have protocol that they're going to follow and orders they're going to follow, whether or not it's the right thing to do or what's medically best for people. So
1: check it out. Those that control and maintain the HIV hypothesis of AIDS are two basic institutions the Centers for Disease Control, the CDC, and the National Institutes of Health in Bethesda, Maryland. Both of these institutions will probably come as a surprise to the public to learn that they are military organizations. It was certainly a surprise to me to learn this. The leaders of the National Institutes of Health and the CDC uh, have uniforms. They have military ranks. And as everybody who's ever been in the military knows, there's an information flow from top to bottom. Military structures are incompatible with free and open discourse and debate, which is supposed to be what science is about. When you have these military structures in the CDC and the National Institutes of Health, you can control the debate, you can control the information flow. Not only that, since the National Institutes of Health are the primary source of funding for all academic, medical, scientific research, They can control who gets funding to do what research. And in that fashion, they can control what gets published and, more importantly, what you exclude.
0: Boom. So, sound familiar? Uh, The CDC and the NIH are the ones doing the, the whole COVID stuff. It's the same gang, and they are not to be trusted. I don't trust these people. I don't see why anybody would. But a lot of people do and they they look at people in the medical establishment, especially people like Tony Fauci, as some sort of like gods or something. It's it's very strange to me. But a lot of people just, I don't know, don't refuse to do their own research and just want to be told what to do. They live in fear constantly and uh, they always need that reassurance from an authority figure to believe what they want to believe. They can't look into things themselves, at least some people, I don't know. Ah, but, yeah, kind of annoying as far as that goes. But gives you a little background on on what's going on. So, in other news, in real news, uh, people were saying that Julian Assange, the WikiLeaks guy, was going to get bailed out of jail and and be able to be free for a minute, but he was denied bail because he's a flight risk. So, bummer. Bummer for him. Uh, We got other news, too. BLM and MAGA are teaming up. It's a cool combo. BLM and MAGA come together to oppose forced vaccination bill in New York. And I'll read a little bit about this. It says, Last month, Assemblymember Linda Rosenthal, who is not a doctor nor a scientist and holds a bachelor's degree in history, proposed a massively controversial bill that would mandate the COVID-19 vaccination for New Yorkers. Naturally, she is being met with resistance. According to the New York Times, Rosenthal says her patients escaped Nazi Germany in the 30s to come to America. Ironically enough, it was the Nazis who were famous for forcing medical procedures on citizens against their will. Now, Rosenthal has come full circle and is embracing the very ideology her parents fled. Oh, sorry. Did I say patients? I meant parents. Uh... If enough science deniers opt out of the voluntary vaccine process, we will not achieve the necessary level of community immunity, uh, which will undermine the efficacy of our vaccination efforts statewide, Rosenthal said in a recent interview after proposing the controversial bill number A11179, which states that the state can mandate vaccination if the level of voluntary vaccination is not high enough to result in herd immunity. So that's great. And, you know, it's crazy how many people are out there that actually support things like this. They really believe in science so much, or just their their interpretation of science and their their what they think it is. They have no knowledge of it, really. They're not fucking scientists. They don't even know what it is, what the scientific process is. They just believe in the religion of science. And they will really demonize anybody who asks any questions about vaccines. And there's a real hatred there these ignorant people uh who just hate anyone who have questions about vaccines and and real concerns just you know it doesn't have to be as far as saying that vaccines cause autism which they have been proven to do or that vaccines can be harmful which some of them have been proven to be considering the the billions of dollars in settlement money that has been paid out by the government not by the pharmaceutical companies themselves because uh, they're not held liable. The taxpayer gets to bail them out, which happens for no other no other industry, only the the pharmaceutical companies. So there there's real concerns to be had here. And just for voicing your concerns, you're demonized and hated by a certain group of people. But luckily there are still people who are just naturally skeptical of the government and these these rushed vaccines. And uh They're they're resisting it. So it says, but is it really denying science to question the safety of a vaccine that has not been tested in the long term? As TFTP has reported, the COVID-19 vaccine itself is controversial given its rush to market. Never before in history has a vaccine been developed and approved in under nine months. By the very definition, this vaccine's long-term results are entirely unknown. While those who don't blindly trust a fast-tracked vaccine are being labeled as kooks and anti-vaxxers, the reality is that these vaccine manufacturers and their government enablers have given us every reason in the world not to trust them. The resistance to the vaccine is also growing by the day, up to and including healthcare workers. Are these trained doctors and nurses working in front lines of the pandemic science deniers? We think not. Evidence of the sheer opposition to forced vaccination came to a head this week as two groups, who the media tell us hate each other, came together to raise awareness to Rosenthal's bill. Black Lives Matter and MAGA supporters reportedly threw aside their differences and came together in protest of the bill. The event organizer Kara Castronova documented the the protest on her Facebook. She said MAGA... And BLM came together yesterday for a common cause. Yes, you heard that right. I personally co-organized a demonstration with a BLM organizer named Hannah to fight the bill proposed by New York State Assemblywoman Linda Rosenthal that will make the COVID vaccination mandatory for all New Yorkers. Castronova says the two groups came together to peacefully exercise their First Amendment right outside Rosenthal's apartment, striking directly at the root. Uh, Castro Nova explained that that was sort of a test run, and they kept it deliberately small and did not invite the media. So, kind of cool that they're doing that. Uh, we'll see what happens of it. I mean, that's that's no good. The, the state mandating that you have to put in whatever they say into your body and, and shoot yourself up with it. Where are all the my my body my choice girls? It's weird how they've, they've radicalized people to that extent with, with abortion and how like your ultimate right as a woman, they tell you is to be able to have an abortion and how it's like the best thing ever. And people literally have celebrations once they've gained that right. And, and, you know, that's your decision and and I respect that. Uh, but you know, there's not too many people of that same belief group, that same, you know, feminist ideology who are standing up Against the forced vaccinations. They should be, right? My body, my choice. Why are you trying to put this shit in my body? What the fuck is it? What is the vaccine? I don't think it's what they say. Uh, who knows? Ay, ay, ay. At least BLM and MAGA are teaming up. It's a match made in heaven. Like I said, but like I said earlier, they're the same motherfuckers. They've they're the same. <laughs> they're true believers ah funny stuff okay um what else is going on what else is going on we have the us has lost more than 110,000 restaurants setting the stage for a commercial real estate collapse of epic proportions and i'm sorry i didn't make uh i didn't mention the last article was on activist post written by matt the agorist Uh, And and this one is as well, but this one's by Michael Snyder. So 110,000 restaurants closed down and they're talking about a real estate collapse of epic proportions. Now, this is in addition to the real estate collapse that I talked about last show that had to do with uh, regular, you know, like family housing, I guess you would call it. And how, you know, there's all this demand, but not very much supply. And that's what's driving the cost of the housing market up. But once they lift the moratorium, the the law passed by the government where people don't have to pay rent, but the landlords still have to pay their mortgage. So it doesn't really uh, it, it's gonna fuck everything up. Once all these people owe these tens of thousands of dollars to their landlords, and the mortgage come the the landlords all this money owe all this money to the banks for their mortgage, and it's it's gonna go to shit. Then there's gonna be all these people who get evicted. And then there's going to be all of the supply, and and not as much demand. So we'll see what happens. I don't know. Obviously, I'm not an expert in this stuff. <laughs> That's a horrible explanation. But 110,000 restaurants closed, and real estate's commercial real estate's going to collapse. That's what they say. The restaurant industry is in the midst of a complete and total meltdown. That is unlike anything that we've ever seen before. If you ask Google how many restaurants there are in the United States, they'll tell you that there's 660,755. Although that number is a few years old, but for the purposes of this article, that's a good enough estimate. Americans love to eat out, and restaurant workers are some of the hardest working people in the entire country. So it's incredibly sad to see more restaurants constantly going under because of the the government. Uh, In some cases, restaurants that have served their communities for decades are deciding to permanently close their doors. For example, over the weekend, Sammy's Romanian Steakhouse in New York City announced that it had finally reached the end of the road. And he talks about how he's got to close his thing. It says, Unfortunately, Sammy's is far from alone. In fact, in a recent article uh, for Fox Business, Adam Piper lamented the fact that more than 100,000 U.S. restaurants have gone out of business during this pandemic. State and local governments have wielded the coronavirus pandemic as license to steal freedom and opportunity in pursuit of unprecedented omnipotence. Unreasonably unnecessary and hypocritical actions have forced over 100,000 restaurants to enclose and endangered countless others. According to Bloomberg, the true number of dead restaurants is now over 110,000. So just think about that. More than one out of every six restaurants in the U.S. is already gone and the National Restaurant Association is warning that there will be even more carnage in the months ahead because the industry is in an economic freefall. The restaurant industry simply cannot wait for relief any longer, Sean Kennedy, Executive Vice President of Public Affairs at the association, said in a letter to Congress. What these findings make clear is that more than 500,000 restaurants of every business type, franchise chain, and independent are in an economic freefall. Uh, This is what an economic depression looks like. With tens of thousands of restaurants sitting empty and with tens of thousands of others not paying rent, the stage has been set for a commercial real estate disaster of unprecedented scope and size. Of course, there are millions of square feet of office space and retail space that isn't being productive right now as well. In a recent article, Lee Adler referred to this looming commercial real estate nightmare as a monster in the room. I think that if there is anything that illustrates the the head-in-the-sand problem of the banks, it's this, commercial real estate finance. There's a monster in the room and all that empty space, no longer income-producing. And I can see that around my own town, just how many buildings are vacant and have been for a while, I mean, really since 2008, but now there's just more and more, especially with all these businesses having to close, not getting as much business. And in states like my neighbor's state, California, it's way worse Oregon, Washington, it's just way worse. Nevada's pretty bad as it is, but a lot of states are being hit harder because of the, the laws being passed by the government that you can't do business. Not to mention just the the hysteria that has been injected into the public to make it seem like you're in danger whenever you do anything, so people don't even want to leave their fucking houses. Ah, man, it's so crazy to see the way people are dressed up and, like, their fucking masks and their gloves and their hazmat suits just to go to the grocery store and... uh, it's, It's crazy, man. We're living in the fucking twilight zone. Anyways, for now, big financial institutions are doing their best to hide their coming losses, but according to Adler, for certain sectors, the losses will simply be unavoidable. Multifamily will take a haircut, but will survive... My guess is that industrial, while overpriced and overvalued, will produce enough income to get by. But office and retail, kiss it goodbye. It's done over. Kaput. Sadly, he's right on target. The coming commercial real estate crisis is going to make the subprime mortgage meltdown of 2008 and 2009 look like a Sunday picnic. And the longer this pandemic stretches on, the larger the losses will ultimately become. For residential real estate, the big story is that hordes of Americans are fleeing both coasts and moving to smaller communities in the middle of the country. So even as housing prices drop substantially in major cities on the East Coast and West Coast, they're rapidly rising in cities like Pittsburgh, Boise, and Austin. Smaller metropolitan markets like Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Cincinnati, Indianapolis, Kansas City, Boise, Idaho, Austin, Texas, and Memphis, Tennessee are seeing some of the strongest price gains in the nation right now, according to the Federal Housing Finance Agency. Pricing in those cities are now at least 10% higher than with the year earlier, and I'm seeing that where I am as well in Carson City. Reno is the same deal, and uh, I'm not sure about Vegas. That's a little bit out out of my range. And as I discussed yesterday, we are actually starting to see hyperinflation for high-end properties in desirable rural and suburban areas of the country. Just recently, a friend sold a home that is located not too far from us for a price that almost made my eyes bug out of my head. I literally had a difficult time believing the insanely high price they were able to get. But this is what happens in a hyperinflationary environment. 2020 may have been a personal financial disaster for 55% of all Americans, but thanks to hyperinflation in the stock market, the wealthy have become more wealthy and have more money to throw at high-end real estate than ever before. Unfortunately, all this wild money printing is not going to be able to prevent the coming crash in commercial real estate. So, yeah, I don't know. I do not know. If you can get a bunch of money for your house right now, why not? Hit it up, man. I ain't hating. Get, get that money. Everyone's moving out of the bay, moving out of L.A., selling their homes for a bunch of money, probably made a bunch of money on the stock market with their Tesla stocks, Apple stocks. And now they're they're coming to you, a town near you to buy you up and, and change your ways. Take your guns. I don't know. It says... <laughs> there's another article here that says, Nearly four times as many cops killed themselves... Then were shot and killed in 2020. Poor guys. I'm not going to read that article. Just an interesting headline. Uh, you know what? I'm going to read this one and then get to a uh, an uplifting story. But this one is just funny. This is from the BBC in uh in UK. I think it is. It's fucking awesome. It says, "How should you talk to friends and relatives who believe conspiracy theories?" And it has as a guy a clip art of a guy who's like looking like a lunatic talking to someone who has her finger in his face con condemningly like a little child like you would do to them when they eat too many cookies or something or or you know spill their milk or something and uh and it's just funny how they represent these people, and it says, "You're dreading the moment." As your uncle passes the roast potatoes, he casually mentions that a coronavirus vaccine will be used to inject microchips into our bodies to track us. Or maybe it's that point when a friend, after a couple of pints, starts talking about how COVID-19 doesn't exist. Or when pudding is ruined as a long-lost cousin starts spinning lurid tales about QAnon and elite Satanists eating babies. The recent rule changes have upended holiday plans for many of us, but you still may find yourself grappling with such situations over the next few days, talking about talking not about legitimate political questions and debates, but outlandish plots and fictions. So how do you talk about people, how do you talk to people about conspiracies without ruining Christmas? <laughs> Number 1, keep calm. While it's important to confront falsehoods, it's never useful if things end up in a flaming row. My number one rule would be not to spoil Christmas, says Mick West, author of Escaping the Rabbit Hole. An angry, heated conversation will leave everyone feeling rubbish and further cement conspiracy beliefs. Psychologist Jovan Byford, a lecturer at The Open University, notes that conspiracy theories often have a strong emotional dimension. They are not just about right and wrong, but underpinned by feelings of resentment, anger, and indignation over how the world works. And they boom this year, with many searching for grand explanations for the pandemic, American politics, and huge world events. Catherine from the Isle of Wright understands that better than most. The 38-year-old used to be a big believer in conspiracies about vaccines being used to deliberately harm people. She's since rejected such claims. It's extremely important to remain calm at all times, she says. Whoever you're talking to is often just as passionate as you are about your own beliefs and will defend them to the grave. And also remember, medical experts say shouting increases the chance of spreading coronavirus. So don't yell at your conspiracy theory friends and family because you're going to give them coronavirus. No matter how stupid they are and how bad you want to just shun them and shame them for their stupid fucking beliefs... Keep it at a whisper. Number two, don't be dismissive. Oh, and it's funny. They have little hyperlinks to uh, how I talk to victims of conspiracy theories. Victims and coronavirus. How my mom became a conspiracy theory influencer. That's fucking... I wonder if that's what I am. Am I a conspiracy theory influencer? Ah, it doesn't fucking pay very well. It doesn't pay as well as being a mainstream bullshit lie influencer. Number two, don't be dismissive. Approach conversations with friends and family with empathy rather than ridicule, says Claire Wardle from First Draft, a not-for-profit which fights misinformation. Listen to what they have to say with patience. Her golden rule is never publicly shame someone for their views. That's likely to backfire. If you do decide to discuss conspiracy theories, don't be dismissive of the other person's beliefs. Establish some common ground. Remember that people often believe conspiracy theories because deep down, They're worried or anxious. Try to understand those feelings, particularly in a year like the one we've just had. (laughs) It's hella funny, dude. So there's like pictures of, you know, memes. Good old memes out there. And it's like a picture of an entire family in a hazmat suit with, you know, the the all-white suits. Everything's covered. Like they're working in a fucking lab. And uh, they have on goggles and like five masks and gloves and like fucking foot gloves for your shoes. And they're just, and and then these are the people who are supposed to be normal. And the conspiracy theorist is the guy just standing there, not wearing a mask, being normal, hanging out with his friends, doing things he does every day, not getting sick, being totally fine. But that is the guy who's a lunatic. It's, it's amazing what, what. They're trying to push on us. And who is buying this shit? Apparently a lot of people, because I know people, in fact, in my own family and and people in my not so immediate circle, but acquaintances rather, who uh, do believe that. They just think that any conspiracy theory is just a, basically a psychological condition that you're a, you're just a. You're just a lunatic and not somebody who researches things and actually looks into things for themselves. You're just an idiot. Why don't you believe the experts? I can't even talk to you. I don't even know how to talk to you. I have to read articles to learn how to talk to you. Number three, encourage critical thinking. People who believe conspiracies often say, I do my own research. The problem, ah, oh, it's so awesome. I do my own research. The problem is that their research tends to consist of watching fringe YouTube videos, following random people on Facebook, and cherry-picking evidence from biased Twitter accounts. But the spirit of doubt that pervades the conspiracy-minded internet is actually a key opening for rational thought, says Jovan Byford. Many people who believe in conspiracy theories see themselves as healthy skeptics and self-taught researchers into complex issues. Present this as something that, in principle, you value and share. Your aim is not to make them less curious or skeptical, but to change what they are curious or skeptical of. Uh, Fucking blah, blah, blah. And then number four, ask questions. Fact-checking is often not the right approach when someone passionately believes in conspiracies. So I guess they're talking about going to Snopes.com. Completely unbiased, right? Not, not manipulated at all. Questions are much more effective than assertions, experts say. Focus on the tactics and techniques used by people... Focusing on the tactics and techniques used by people pushing disinformation is a more effective way of addressing these conversations than trying to debunk the information. And then five, don't expect immediate results because these conspiracy theorists are just way off... They're off the wagon. They're, They're off their rocker. Just crazy, crazy idiots. And, uh, you know, just listen to the news, listen to to the politicians, listen to the experts, the scientists, the media. They know what's best for you. Never question anything. Don't look into it, and uh, you'll be all right. Just, you know, I'll take you by the hand, and I'll show you what's real. That's what they want you to believe. <sighs> what an amazing time to be alive. Absolutely insane, I think articles like that just exemplify how more and more people are starting to question things and they're just they're pushing back on it because they're afraid of some sort of unification taking place and people starting to recognize what's up I mean it's pretty obvious there's a lot of bullshit going on. you gotta be pretty ignorant and naive to not believe that and uh man, I don't know what if what a pathetic thing though for 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 someone to write things like that it's the classic scenario where somebody who is doing the crime and and lying about the thing or doing the misdeed accuses the the person who they're doing it against that they're doing it to them it's like the cheater calling out his girlfriend that she's cheating it, you know it's it's just that's what people do it's weird it's a weird contradiction that people uh, have in their minds. But it's incredibly effective. And uh, a lot of people fall for it. So, bummer. Uh, but in the good news, we'll start off... I mean, we'll end it on a good note on um, how you can make some money. Because just because there's all this bullshit going on doesn't mean you can't make some money. You just got to know how to do it. And what I think is the, the thing to go into, it's not too late, would be things uh, cryptocurrency. Things like Bitcoin. Things like Ethereum. um in in the various other ones that are out there there's over 2000 of these different cryptocurrencies out there and uh, a lot of people are skeptical on investing into cryptocurrency or they might think that it's too late that they had to buy bitcoin when it was like $100 and and now there would be you would be a millionaire i mean even if you only had one it would be worth 35000 right now that's what bitcoin is at in fact let's check it go on coin gecko Bitcoin is at oh let me refresh. It's incredible what is happening here. Uh Bitcoin is over 35,000. It's at it's at $35,498. It's up 29% in just over 7 days. Let's just get a Oh, what am I doing here? It's fucking incredible what's happening with Bitcoin. 35 grand and just like a week ago. Let's click on it. Let's give it a click. It's just fucking blowing up, dude. And the reason why is because they're printing all this money. And we'll go to the 30-day map here just to get you an idea of how this shit is skyrocketing and just popping off. Of course, my computer doesn't want to work. I think they fuck with my internet, honestly. I don't know anybody else who has internet as slow as mine. But whenever I try to do anything, it takes way too long. Anyways, on December 11th, Bitcoin was well under 20 grand. It was at 17,006 and people were saying, "Oh, it's going to crash. It's going to crash." And and then it went above 20 and then they're saying, "Oh, you got to sell it. It's going to crash. It's going to crash." And then now it's over 35. I mean, it's fucking insane. It's going to just keep going up and it's going to keep becoming worth more and more money. Ethereum, which is the number 2 cryptocurrency, is at over $1,100. I I went and bought a bunch of it when it was 730. Now it's at 1150 or something like that. And that's a significant increase. So I would say, you know, put some money into that. The reason why it's increasing in value is because they're printing all of this money. 20% of all U.S. dollars were printed in 2020. And the reason why they're doing this and stimulating the economy, as they say, and printing this worthless money out of thin air is they're kicking the can down the road. Some people say that the economy really crashed in March, and that the COVID thing is a cover for the economy actually crashing and and, and shifting the blame onto a fake pandemic when really it's an economic crisis and a, and a restructuring of the economies of the world. So whatever, but the the alternative to this regular fiat system, this centralized fucking Illuminati banker system that we're all slaves to is things like crypto things like Bitcoin. I mean, you know, it's, it's true. A lot of people have made a lot of fucking money in this shit and it's pretty cool. You know, like what's wrong with making a bunch of money, even if you're against money and you think rich people are the worst thing in the world, which I hope you don't think of me that way. Cause it's not true. Uh, there's nothing wrong with getting money and, uh, and becoming more prosperous with your life because you can help more people out and, and uh, you know, do whatever you want with your money. Have a good life. Hopefully you start to detach yourself from this system, this slave system we have. Financial freedom. Nothing wrong with that. But don't take my word for it. Let's listen to Elliot Trades Crypto. He has a YouTube channel that I'm quite fond of and have been doing a lot of research into. And he's going to talk about basically why Bitcoin is dope, how it compares to other currencies, and why it's going to explode. So here he is. Check it out. Oh, 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 oh. When's it going to go? When's it going to go? Right now.
3: So as we can see here, Bitcoin is absolutely on its hair up 10% on the day, 30% on the week. And, you know, this is a pretty significant week for Bitcoin. I mean, it's pretty much just up and to the right with absolutely no stopping. Now, Bitcoin's market cap is currently $602 billion. And that's really what we want to be paying attention to here to understand whether Bitcoin is too late, whether it's too big or not. Now, this $32,000 number, that is the price per coin, but that is not the price of Bitcoin. That is not the value of Of Bitcoin, people consistently make this mistake, and if you're new to crypto, then you'll most likely have no idea the difference between coin value and market cap. But essentially, this number here, this thirty-two thousand dollar number, is arbitrary. It's just a division of the amount of Bitcoins in the world. There could have been a hundred million, and then this price would be about one fifth the size. Right? There would just be more coins in the world, and Bitcoin would still be the same size. So all you need to do when you look at the size of a coin is understand it's all about this market cap, which is six. $602 602 billion dollars. Now, 602 billion—that might even sound like a lot—but once you understand what Bitcoin is, the actual purpose it serves in the world, you'll understand that 602 billion dollars is not only not a lot; it's objectively. Minuscule in the larger scheme of the financial markets. So as we see Bitcoin topping thirty-two thousand dollars and climbing, it's really important to understand what is the potential for this asset and why is it so unbelievably revolutionary for the world. Well, first you need to understand that the market cap of gold is roughly ten trillion dollars. This is the ultimate comparison for Bitcoin because it's just a stagnant asset. You buy it, you set it and forget it. You put it away. It doesn't need to be you know money you transact upon. You don't use gold to buy that proverbial cup of coffee and you mainly use gold to preserve wealth it's the oldest wealth holder mechanism in the history of our financial worlds they've been using it for five thousand years and for a lot of reasons gold has been the go-to behind fiat currencies which can be printed at will as we found out this year gold is really that reserve safe haven asset that the rich flock to there's ten trillion dollars worth of gold there's ten trillion dollars worth of wealth that's being stashed in gold and there are a lot of problems with gold. For one, we don't know how much gold there is in the world. New gold comes into the world all the time. And a quick Google search will reveal that there are tens of thousands of tons of gold that have not even been discovered here in the United States, let alone globally. The point is that there's a ton of gold that we haven't discovered. There's also a ton of fake gold. Gold can be imitated and there can be fake forms of gold that circulate. The point is that gold is not as scarce as we think. You certainly can't easily send gold across the world and it's not something you can easily break down and transact upon, there's a lot of reasons why gold isn't that good as being a currency or a store of value. But with this market cap of $10 trillion, this alone, right? And if Bitcoin is digital gold and the digital form of everything has replaced the non-digital form of everything over the past 20 years, it would be absolutely silly for you to believe that the growth of the internet and the growth of the digital world, which really only began in the 90s in its current form, is not going to occupy and completely change the way that we transact upon and hold wealth. We've literally revolutionized every single industry except for money. And now this is what's happening to money is we're revolutionizing wealth and soon we'll revolutionize other assets. But that's for another episode. So here, Bitcoin at a $602 billion market cap is objectively tiny when compared to the $10 trillion that are being stashed away in gold. Not to mention this is a chart of currencies, right? You have US dollar, euro, Australian dollar. If Bitcoin starts to be used as money, starts to, be used as currency and people prefer to accept bitcoin over other currencies well you have a 14 trillion dollar market cap of the u.s dollar a 14 trillion dollar market cap of the euro a 12 trillion dollar or 13 trillion dollar market cap of the yen those alone together equal over 40 trillion dollars in market cap and together with other fiat currencies the chinese yuan 27 trillion dollars well over 50 trillion closer to 100 trillion dollars in fiat currency but let's how much is $50 trillion if Bitcoin starts to occupy that much value? Well, you actually have $2 million, $2.3 million. $100 trillion would be almost $5 million per coin, per single Bitcoin. And this might seem like astronomical numbers to you, but over the history of money— Fiat currencies have done one thing and one thing only, which is devalue and lose their buying power. Whereas Bitcoin over the history of its lifetime has done one thing, which is gain buying power specifically in relation to what's called the stock-to-flow model.
0: So boom shakalaka. Hope Elliot, he does great work there. I would highly recommend his channel. Check it out. Cause he he focuses on other stuff as well and teaches you how to buy altcoins. Cause there's a lot more stuff than just Bitcoin you could buy and have huge fucking returns on. And so I hope that kind of um, clarifies for you uh, why it keeps going up and why it's going to keep going up and why it's not too late. But don't take my word for it. Let me give you a couple examples uh, on what's what's up with Bitcoin and and you can I'll give you a little FOMO. No, wait, I guess it wouldn't be FOMO. It would be be more like just regretting shit. So if you would have put your $1,200 stimulus check into Bitcoin on April 15th, 2020, when everyone got their stimulus, what do you think it would be worth right now? Give it, give it a wild guess in your head. Okay, you done? It would be worth $6,287, a 424% gain in, fuck, less than a year, in about nine months. Uh, less than nine months. So... Isn't that crazy? That's fucking crazy, dude. There's no other investment like that. And if you were to have taken your $600 stimulus check, which just dropped like a week ago, not even that, it would be worth $752 if you just put it into Bitcoin. So, you know, a lot of people say this is bullshit and they don't know what it is. What is Bitcoin? I don't understand it. And I didn't understand it either until like a week and a half ago, two weeks when I really started doing some research and because uh, I've I recognize what's happening right now and, and where we are at financially and, and trying to figure out what's what's gonna happen. Where should I put my money? I want more, I want more money. And uh so that's when I really started researching the crypto. And uh man, it's popping right now. Ethereum is popping too like crazy, and it's not too late. Uh, But like I said, don't take my word for it. Let's hear what Elliot has to say.
3: Well, I believe the information I've laid out for you makes it astoundingly clear that it's not only too late, but it is extremely early. It is, according to many professional analysts, the first inning of Bitcoin's financial history. Remember, this asset is 10 years old, and the financial system is hundreds and hundreds of years old in its current form. Gold is thousands of years old. You have to understand that Bitcoin's penetration as a financial mechanism is so new that its potential has very much so not been realized. It's been legitimized in so many ways, and as it gains more value, the desire to buy it, protect it, and hold it long-term grows. It's a reflexivity in value that will lead to this thing continuing to grow and steamroll in value over the coming years and decades. I view my Bitcoin buys as multi-decade investments, and that's why I'm so excited to be working in this space and have been making daily content on this channel for the last three years, trying to educate people that this is by far the biggest wealth transfer in the history of the world and that you can actually own a piece of the protocols that run the future of our financial system. This is an opportunity that's never come before. This is by far the biggest and best opportunity in history. So is it too late to buy Bitcoin? Absolutely not. Not if you look at the history of Bitcoin as maturing to a $1 million valuation, probably upwards of $500,000 or more in this calendar year, potentially in 2022. It doesn't matter if you zoom out and you take a long-term approach to the market. So how should you get involved if you want to get involved? Well, one way is to start buying Bitcoin in a regular fashion every week, every month. That way, if the price goes down, you have a chance to buy more at a lower price. You don't sort of blow all your chips in one buy. You want a dollar cost average. The other thing that you can do is learn to trade altcoins. I actually show you how to do that each and every day on this show. And for those who have followed my recommendations on altcoins, they've gained by 700, 800, 1,000, 1,200% or more on their coins. And in very short amounts of time, they can truly explode with parabolic growth, these new cryptocurrencies. It's very hard to separate the good ones from the bad ones. And that's where I come in and try to help. Help you sift through them so if that's a value to you i highly encourage you to subscribe and put that bell notification on set to all youtube has been known to censor cryptocurrency content so if you want the best information you have to put that bell notification on or you might not actually be made aware when i put out content
0: boom that's how you know it's cool man because youtube's trying to censor it anything cool anything real they don't like So you know, just throwing it out there. Maybe you weren't familiar with Bitcoin and how it works and its potential uh, and the various other um, cryptocurrencies as well. Because like I said, Ethereum is just popping, bro. It's it's fucking nuts. I'm so stoked on it. Like it it's at eleven eighty one right now, and Bitcoin's over thirty five grand. It's gonna keep going up because they're gonna keep doing these stimulus things keep printing all this money and kicking the can down the road while the, the economy is crashing and the dollars are going to become worth less and less now. So, you know, I don't get any compensation for this. Not Bitcoin isn't paying me to talk about it. I don't have any association with anyone. But I just think um, since you're listening to this show and you're supporting me, maybe I can help you hopefully um, achieve financial success. Because I want us all to win here. You know, it's not all doom and gloom. We could have some fun, make some money, and uh, enjoy our lives too. And that's what we should be doing. So, I'm going to end it there and be back next week with another talk. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you guys have a great day. And I'll catch you next time. Thank you. Peace out. Check, check. Listen. Aye.
4: yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been a hell of a year, shit's getting weird. Kids are in tears, living in fear. Heaven is clear, the ending is near. We're ruled by the wolves, sheep only cheer. Medical tyranny, global conspiracy. Shit is much different from how it appeared to be. Lapse of you, Genesis, echoing eerily. Fuck you, Bill Gates, you ain't getting near to me, no, no. D.C. They don't care about me. They just sell vaccines like a bad dream. Twilight Zone episode. Dumbass in a mask on the road alone. Whoa, yo, y'all need to talk with them. Rango and dead. Not getting oxygen. Folks at the White House not even rocking them. Viruses, nano size, Mask ain't stopping the Damn. But that's too real for you. I don't think you're ready for facts. I'm to you. I don't think you're heading to the past. that can steal from you polio vaccine, actually killing you. Yes. True. Look it up, Google it. Never mind dope, cause they censor it, fool. it Just like my music, they knew if I blew up, I'd change the whole globe and I'd fucking be ruling this shit. Back to the premise society's nemesis, fucking with us, Time that we organize dissidents. Suicide differences. Fuck it. Enough, enough is enough. Trump is corrupt. Nobody's saving you, homie. He's playing you blatantly raping. You take the economy. Everyone's fucked. We wish you good luck. It's 1200 the bucks. What? For? What's I like compared to those billionaires there? You've been given the dreams you print from thin air. I'm just wishing you share, but you fuckers don't care. You're just stealing in line to cover your rent. Then there's the media faking the news, portraying the view that we're basically doomed. Future is nothing but hatred and gloom. We're all going to die. No nation's immune. Red, blue, black, white, left, right, too. Divide and tactics. Divide that group. And free speech with the white mask rule. Probably get to mandate an I too. Trump sent funds to the Wuhan lab. That's a real life fact, but a well-kept secret. Code 19 be the vaping disease from the fall 19th. Found a for D track D-Track. Oh. Y'all not watching, Event to a 1, Bill Gates, John Cypkins, trick tricking the nation, crimson contagion, dark winter anthrax, smallpox, face Wake it, up. awful upsetting, caught in a frenzy, numbers inflated, obvious meddling, doctors dancing, hospitals empty, if he names jog jogging more deadly shit. Give it a minute, just wait till next year, Real about your weapons, release in the air, then we'll prepare for the place they envision, surveillance and tracing, and face recognition, this shit isn't fiction, it's actual fact, once you lose freedom, you can't get it back, this isn't fiction, it's actual fact, once you, Lose freedom, you can't get it, back. get it back. What? 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 Hell of a year. Happy pandemic folks. We'll see what the rest of 2020 has in store for us. Shit. Peace.